Well, we do have a jam-packed Friday edition of the show, and I'd love for you to jump in on any of the conversations that we're going to have throughout the afternoon. Tomorrow is International Day of Women and Girls in Science. How many of you as a kid sat in awe, whether in science class, in school, or a scene came up on the TV, watching a movie or a show, looked at your parents and said, I want to do that when I grow up. So we're going to chat with a professor about her work in that field. And she's actually even had the opportunity to examine pictures coming from the James Webb Telescope. We're also going to spend time with Councillor Tim Cartmel. He held a town hall the other night looking to hear from you when it comes to your concerns about snow removal. It's been a pretty tame winter, all things considered, but it's always a huge point of contention when we do get a big dump of snow. We'll see what residents said to him and see if he has a solution in mind. And are you one of the millions, literally millions of people watching The Last of Us? I am. That's that apocalyptic show that was mostly shot here in Alberta. Well, not only was it shot here, but an Alberta man got the chance to be Nick Offerman's stunt double in the show. We'll catch up with him to talk about the job, being on set, and all the other fun work he's done over the years. But to start the show, we all remember what happened last September on James Smith Cree Nation in Saskatchewan. 11 people killed, more than a dozen injured. Two brothers accused in the crimes wound up dead as well. Damien Sanderson later absolved of any involvement. His brother, Miles, being the one who did it all, including the murder of his own brother. It left so many questions unanswered. Our Global News National Enterprise reporter Ashley Stewart made her way to the nation, not to only get more details of what happened, but to understand the life of those who lived on the nation. Ashley shared stories for weeks on end after being welcomed by the residents. The latest details coming out, thanks to Ashley, six months later, is the 911 call Damien's wife placed to RCMP the day before the killings. Ashley Stewart is with us now. Ashley, thanks for taking the time to join the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely, and before we get into the 911 phone call that uh, you shared with everyone a couple of days ago, I, I want to talk to you about you. and. Going back to September, when you were watching everything unfold uh, online or on TV or listening on the radio, what went through your mind and why did you want to get to the nation to be a part of the story? I mean, it was shocking. I, I don't think we've... I mean, I'm a new, I'm a newbie to Canada, but I... I, from what I gather from the news value and things like that, this this is not something that happens every day, you know, um, especially where where it happened. Um, so I, I mean, we, we there was a team from Global News who went out there to to cover it pretty immediately. So what's that process like when a story like this happens for you, Ashley, and you you get together with your team? What's the directive? What are the next steps uh, in in your process of getting to, in this case, a small reserve, a small First Nation in Saskatchewan? Well, to be honest, I was away for the weekend, so I was on holiday. Um, it, it was a, I think it was a long weekend as well. So it was a case of just coordinating. I mean, everyone was calling everyone, saying this is obviously a massive thing that's happened. Obviously, there are not a lot of flights to Saskatoon either, so the the plane was sold out, so we had to spend a lot of money to send us out there. It was just a case of, of getting our, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like a narcissist, but the, uh, 
hungriest reporters out there to kind of dig into what actually happened. You know, there's something like this happened, but you need to understand the background of how that happened. Right, exactly. So when you finally do get there and you're talking about, you know, the, the flight issues and arriving in Saskatchewan, and then obviously it's a bit of a drive to get to the nation itself. How were you feeling when you stepped foot on there? Because obviously this is a huge story. This is a tight-knit community. And I imagine for at least the first little bit, you were looked at as maybe a little bit of an outsider, correct? Uh, well, we weren't allowed on the First Nation to begin with. So there was none of, I mean... There was exactly as you say. We were we were seen as outsiders, but also we were not welcome. And I mean, that's completely up to to that community to make that call. So we needed to, we we kind of waited around the periphery until we got the okay from from the First Nations to go to to go in there. And that didn't happen until about four days later. So it was more about speaking to people that were okay with coming out to the boundary. There were people that wanted to have their voices heard, so they drove out to the boundary. Um, but yeah, it was it was about waiting and being patient and, and being respectful. Yeah, and patience pays off. But in the meantime, when you were, what kind of questions were they asking you to make sure you know that you were you were going to to step foot on on this nation with the proper intentions, at least in their mind. I don't think we really got to that point, to be completely honest. There was a blanket ban on coming on, so we didn't even try and get around to that. We just wanted to, to respect their wishes. Okay, and now, so once once you're there, um, walk me through that, that first day. What, what are you up to? Whose doors are you knocking on first, or who are you looking to chat with first? To be honest, I spent the the first day, because we couldn't get on to James Smith, I spent the first day in Weldon, where one person was killed. And I actually w spent the day with um, a, a bowling club, of all things, because the man that died, I, I mean, I just found out that the man that died was, was part of a bowling club. So I went and spent the afternoon with them, and they were sharing experiences and sharing memories, and, and they just helped. They were still bowling the day after. They, I mean, they were ter a terrorized group, but they were like, we need to keep we need to keep going we need to keep moving forward so it was it was actually a really nice day if you can say that yeah that is really hard to believe after something like that and and people are, are bowling uh that just that's mm. that's that's unbelievable persistence on, on on their part trying to maintain that that sense of normalcy um when did mm -hmm. you finally get in touch with damian sanderson's wife sky when did you get the opportunity to first sit with her and, and talk to her that's actually a great question. It was actually after, so I was talking to Sky when I was out there, so I ended up staying a lot longer than anyone else because obviously the Queen died at that time as well, so a lot of the media had to leave. I was out there for about three weeks, and I was talking to Sky for the, probably the third week that I was out there, but she didn't commit to meeting up in person, so I actually spoke to her after I got back to Toronto when she'd finally kind of said, yes, I want to tell my story, so we did a lot of that over the phone. And what were those conversations like? I mean, obviously, you know, yourself, you have to be sensitive to what has happened, but the reporter in you, you want, you want to figure out the story. You want to learn about her life, the, the Sanderson's family life, and, and, and share that story with us. Yeah, it was really difficult. I'm not going to lie. It was a lot of pressure. Sky said to me, I only want to tell my story once and I want to do it right. So that meant that I needed to be 100% sure that everything that I was saying was 100% accurate and fair and sensitive. So 
it was a lot of we, we had a really long initial conversation and then I would call her and say what did, what exactly did you mean here what exactly did you mean here and then when the story was ready it was about reading it over her, with her over the phone just to make 100% sure that everything was was 100% perfect and then also like it's not just about taking her word for it it's also about fact checking so I had to call a lot of other people who were there to, to get their view on on whether or not this is exactly what happened I mean I mean, people who have gone through trauma remember things very differently sometimes than what actually happened. So it, it was a very, very long process. Absolutely. In the, in the months since, uh, since it happened, you've released a few exclusive stories sharing more uh, of the story of what happened that day. And then just this week, you released uh, the story but with the 911 call. What was behind your interest and why did you want to get the 911 call out to the public? What were you trying to get across? Yeah, I've been involved in the story very regularly throughout the last six months. So I actually went back to Saskatchewan because I connected with um, Vanessa Burns, who was Miles Sanderson's wife. Um, and while I was there, I, I obviously met up with Sky for the first time and we spent a bit of time together as well. And she was actually the one that was really keen to get that call um, because she believed that it kind of vindicated her. And I mean, at the end of the day, like that's what we were trying to do as well. We wanted to dig into the rest of the information. Did did she 100% say what she told us she said in that call? It, it was It's about fact-checking. And the more information we can get about this, this case, the better, because these people are going to be waiting until July at the very earliest for this inquest. So there's a lot of other unanswered questions there. Ashley, I don't want to play the call on air just in case certain people listening uh, don't want to hear that that kind of thing, but what what was included in the call and why did Sky make that call the day before everything happened on James Cree First Nation? So Sky had her car stolen by her husband, essentially. Um, the morning before, there'd been a pretty violent fight between Miles Sanderson and Vanessa, Vanessa Burns. Miles had beaten her up. Damien had taken Sky's car to calm his brother down and then never came home. And Sky was hearing bad things that they were up to. She had heard from family members that they were driving around and harassing her family. So she wanted her car back. So she called the RC to help to get them out there to help get her car back but at the time she also said I'm scared I have domestic charges against him and he's never been arrested and she said that several times so she was telling them that that he was violent and to be wary and and the fact that he has outstanding warrants for his arrest so he should be picked up now and yet he was not he wasn't, and then we obviously know what happened the next day, and you, you've mentioned that you've kept in touch with Skye. Is she, does she still have disappointment, feel disappointment, or have resentment towards the RCMP for not following through on, on that initial call placed on September 3rd? Yes, very much so. She she believes the RCMP has failed her. It's, it's, it's going to be... It's really down to the coroner's inquest where we're going to hear exactly what happened to determine what level of accountability needs to be laid where. But she, she's very honest. She's very. She says that she should have done more. She maybe should have forced the RCMP's hands that morning a little bit more. But she does believe that she, she was ultimately failed by them. How is she doing now? Do you know? Have you chatted with her recently? Yeah, I talked to her yesterday after the story came out. She feels... I think she's glad that it's out there, but obviously it was very difficult listening to that call back again, and it kind of brought everything back. She's she's having a hard 
time at the moment with grief and, and keeping that family together, but she's, she's doing the best she can. Ashley, thanks for your work on this story and sharing it with everybody, and uh, I really appreciate, appreciate you taking some time this afternoon. No worries. Thanks for having me. That is Ashley Stewart, one of Global News' own reporters who was on scene shortly after that uh, mass stabbing rampage last September on James Cree First Nation. If you do want to listen to the 911 call, you can. It is on globalnews.ca. I did not want to play it on air this afternoon, just to uh, be careful of uh, all of you listening this afternoon, but it is there available for you online. If you